0: I mentioned that I have two boys. Uh, they are seven and eight, and uh, we're learning to play football. I'm trying to teach them the rules of the game, and uh, so we're starting easy. We have a Nerf football. Uh, that's mainly for me uh, because um, they don't throw really great so far. And so we were out of the park uh, a couple of weeks ago, and um, with my youngest one, I was, you know, we were taking. And I was the—I uh, was going to be the quarterback, and he was going to run as his, his older brother, who's eight. He was going to, you know, play defense and whatnot. And uh, so we're in the huddle, so to speak. My back is to the opponent, my oldest son, and so I'm—I'm I'm giving him the map here. You know, I'm like, okay, here's what's going to happen. You go down the field and you turn this way, and then you turn back, and when you get right here, I'll throw it to you. And he's like, his eyes are getting big. He's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's just a plan. It's basic out and back. But you know? he was like, yeah. I was like, he's really excited. So I'm like, we got all the cool calls. Red Dog 43, said Hike. And he throws the ball. You know, he's like, just run straight down the field. I'm like, all right, he's learning. Okay, back in the huddle. All right, this time, we're going to go. For me, and I'll get you right there. Okay. Yeah. Wow, I love that. Plan. I love it. Straight down Phil. <laughs> this went on for some time. And what I recognize is that he was just excited about the plan. To execute it, it didn't matter really. He just he was into the plan. I think he was into, like, or it's me and Dad huddling, and he's doing these wacky things on his chest. I have no idea what they are, but I like it. I like it. I mean, it's every single time. I mean, literally, after the 15th time, every time, yeah! I, I didn't have the nerve to tell him, you haven't done any of the plan yet. I'm waiting on that. Jeez. So we're going to try it again, but... Uh It taught me that day that no matter how simple or well-designed the plan is, if we don't execute it, then it doesn't mean anything. We've been talking since the beginning of the year, and today is the last day. Sometimes when I think when we get to the end of a long collection, everybody's like, oh, good, it's the last one. (laughs) We start, by the way, next week... um, An interesting, this is uh, maybe some of you follow the church year. Um, There are different times of the year. Uh, This is the, the period as we march toward Easter, which is on April the 8th, I believe, this year. Uh, some churches follow the calendar strictly. It's a season called Lent. It's always a time of just uh, introspection. And as you take this journey toward the cross and toward the resurrection and, and, uh, and it's spring and there's new things coming out of the ground and it's just so, so indicative of of God. And we're going to do a journey of, of uh, the gospel according to punctuation starting next week. Today we... Um, we we end this series, this collection of conversations that we have had, and I'm I'm thinking as we end this, I was thinking about my son playing football, <laughs> and thinking about the different levels of football. You know that, that when you move up in the leagues, like when you play high school, the plays are more complicated than they were in the little league football, or the, is that what they call it, little league, pee-wee football? Okay, whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> Keep it to yourself. And um, so, and then the execution of those plays become more complex. And then you move to college, and then they, you know, they're throwing the ball out and loop loo and I know they probably don't call it loop-de-loo in the huddle. Okay, guys, let's do that loop-de-loo on three. And I'm, I'm not thinking that's what they say, but anyway, when I see it, it looks like a loop-de-loo. And so, at any rate, um, I'm not invited to a lot of football parties. It's weird. I'm to figure it out, but um so at any rate then you know then you move into the uh, the pro level and then now you got the macho announcers you know and then the play has already taken place and they run it back and they draw those circles and the arrows and nowadays they're like and see you know the the quarterback is like uh uh-uh, uh uh-uh. And, you know, and they're running the film back and forth. I'm starting to get carsick. I'm like, can we just see the play again without all this stuff? But it gets complicated, and then the offensive line is moving this way, and there's something going this way, and the plan at that pro level is very challenging. But the execution of that plan is equal, commensurate, a, a proportionate to that plan. Last year we began a plan. And I'm I'm believing in your life, you've got a personal plan. And there are certain plans in your life that are easier than other plans. There are things that you would say, I, I'm trying to plan to get over this thing. Maybe it's something silly. I'm late all the time, so I'm trying to work on that. And that plan is going to take a bit of effort. Others of you, or maybe the same people that are late are saying, I'm trying to work through some very, very heavy things right now. Addictions that I had no prediction that I would have in my life. I'm trying to overcome pornography. And man, every time I try, I just, I'm so disgusted with myself. I'm so disappointed with myself. There I am again. That's a pro-level plan. And it requires pro-level execution. Some of you are addicted to alcohol, to drugs. It's about as pro as it gets. And it's not easy. And you can't do it alone. If you are trying to do it alone, stop. Get help. Get a small circle relationship. Get someone close to you. A game is not won by itself. On a corporate level, we've spent a long time working on a vision plan. If you're just coming into 360, we spent the entire year I quit counting when we got to 1,000 hours. I'm guessing we're close to 2,000 hours behind the scenes of working and planning and chiseling and throwing off. And this hits the cutting floor. And we're not doing that and let's stay focused. And how are we going to stay focused and, and whatnot? A huge amount of investment. I have never experienced it in any church that I've led in nearly 30 years, ever. And I'm jazzed. Uh, over a year ago, a year and a half ago, we met um, a man named Will Mancini. I've shared his name with you. He wrote a book called Church Unique. He wrote, he's written many books. Um, he just came out with a new book called Flux. That's kind of the buzzword nowadays in this generation, of the younger generation, as I've shared with you. It's not about getting a skill set. It's about being skilled at many skill sets. That's the way this generation rolls. The more skill sets you have, the more successful you're going to be uh, over over in general in, in this generation. Um, in this book, now Will Mancini is an international speaker and writer and all that in this book. Um, There was a handful of churches that were included in this new book. And 360 was one of those churches. And I don't say that boastfully. I say it extremely like, wow, that's weird. (laughs) But the reason that we're in his book is because he's seen the investment that we've made in trying to say, let us do church differently. It doesn't matter what the cost we keep hearing over and over and over, even in this room, outside this room, that people are tired of doing church as normal, of just having um, just a good time doing good things and all that, but get down into the nitty-gritty of people's lives. We've been test-running this vision for three to four months. I have not seen life change and life investment and hard things as I've seen in these three and four months in 30 years. Some of these stories, many of these stories, um, maybe most of these stories are not ones that we would say put up on the screen and look how many people we have. These are private stories. These are stories of red zone. This is knuckles, bare knuckles, um, bloody and muddy. And these are stor- this is where it counts. Because if we were to confess to each other and say, man, I've got my own junk and my own life and, uh, and I, I need a small circle relationship. I've shared this figure with you before. 93% of men, and women don't, are not falling far behind that. 93% of men have absolutely no best friend. No best friend. No small circle relationship. Will Mancini wrote us a letter, and uh, he said this. He wrote it to our church, and I've read it to our leaders, and I want to read it to you. And it's a privilege to hear these words. He says this from uh, Will Mancini, Dear 360 Church, I've had the privilege for over 10 years of working with thousands of churches and their pastors and studying church models every single day. I believe God wants to do something cosmically significant and locally specific in every church. However, I rarely see this as effectively displayed as I have in working with your leadership at 360. Members of 360, please understand that from my perspective of working with so many churches worldwide, this level of clarity in regards to extracting and courageously applying fundamental spiritual truths as part of a vision is rarely seen. To be honest with you, this happens one and a thousand times. Believe me, you are flying higher than you realize. Your team is on course to recapture the essence of what God intended for his people— Don't you dare let up on the full court blitz of doing great works of God through the smallest of acts and the smallest of circles. I say this because, um, yeah, we're we're honored by those words. So I want to say this um, to us today. We've gone through on the back of your sheet today, your info sheet. This is at group week, so you'll see the list of those questions and uh, the questions are a little different this week, and uh, they're pointed. And uh, on that sheet, you'll see a list of the weeks of the things that we've talked about, the things that, as the, as the leader of this uh, herd, I believe that the challenges and the obstacles, the hurdles that we potentially face as we move forward, the things that we've articulated, that I've articulated every week, um, that are unique to this vision. Why will it be difficult? Well, it's difficult When you think about really growing relationships, tough, uh, small, that's tough. To be intimate, to be close with other people, it's tough. My small circle relationships know my weaknesses, I know his. And uh, there's sometimes we fuss and feud. I don't fuss and feud with most of you because we're not small circle enough. But in that small circle, it gets gets, uh, challenging. They're, they're, uh, every leader on this team needs to be coachable. If you're not coachable, you, you won't belong on this team. That's tough. In our churches today, it's very hard to be coachable. People get their feelings hurt, and uh, it's hard for, to guide them and lead them, quite frankly. And we're, we're committed to saying, no, we're going to be coachable. We believe that the, the, we invest in the marathon, not just the. the we're, we're used to quick and, hey, let's do something really quick. Let's go hand out water, and boy, wasn't that great, and let's move on. We're, we're done with that. We're into marathon investment. Investing in lives, the same lives, over and over and over and over and over until we see Christ victorious. Until the gospel is presented and we see life change. It's no longer just about being nice. It's no longer about doing acts of kindness. It's digging in entrenched in the small circle. And I've heard from so many of you like, thank God we're ready, we waited for this, Let's go. And um, I'm just um, thrilled. We're we're, uh, determined to lose ourselves. We're determined to um, be simple and not be complex. All these things. And last week we talked about being authentic. That if we're going to do it out there, by golly, we better be doing it uh, here. All of these things. I've taken you through this whole route because we're ending today. And this wonderful letter and this wonderful, these wonderful words by a guy like Will Mancini who I incredibly respect are nothing unless we execute. It's nothing unless we execute. We know that, right? Come up here. Go back here. Do a loop-de-loop. Come over here. Back it up. Throw it to me. I'll throw it to you. Kick it behind the leg and then go. But if we can't execute, it doesn't mean anything, Right? I mean, the Colts are... Who won the Super Bowl? Um, Who? Giants. Giants. Of course they did. Uh, (laughs) Doesn't matter what grand play they... If they couldn't execute and carry it out, it actually means nothing. And sometimes, you know how it is, you can have a great plan, a guy like me can get up, tell you this wonderful plan, read all these wonderful words, and it just sounds great, but it never happens Oh, God, please don't let that take place. I beg God for that. I don't know what you beg God for, but, you know, I sit in a chair where I see a lot and a lot of different angles in in our church. I beg God that we won't be a fake, that we won't say we're going to do this great plan and we, we, we just don't do it. Because, you know, it is... It is easy to talk about. I've hung in circles before. I read blogs, and there they are, the, you know, the guys that will say, here's what's wrong with the church, and there's a million things, and they're all right and all that. But I'll tell you who changes the world. It's a guy like Dave who's in the kitchen on his birthday just in the trenches saying, hey, I'll serve. It's a person like Diane who's at one of our, in our, one of our leadership boards, and when I come in on Sunday morning, she's on her knees. Not praying, but scrubbing porcelain. Over the years, I've heard all the highfalutin philosophy I need to hear about what's wrong with the church. It's time to put a few calluses on our hands, grab a shovel, and start digging dirt. It's not easy. It's, it's all about saying, let's do the plan. Let's quit talking about what's wrong with the church. I could give you 10 things that are wrong with 360. I could right now. It starts right here. Here, I'm, I'm one on the list. Number one, I'm a moron. I've told you that. <laughs> Get over it. One day I'm going to screw it up. Okay, put that one in your calendar. It's not about that. It's not about finding out what's wrong. It's about getting done, getting the plan done. It's not even talking about it. Sometimes there's these plans, and we lower the bar. And if we lower the bar, here's what's going to happen. We were at my, uh, my uh, wife's grandmother's house in San Diego a few years ago, and she had this plaque out on a birdbath. And the plaque, it uh, looked like this. Can we bring a picture up? It says, on this site in 1897, nothing happened. <laughs> I like that. So, you know, we could have at this location at 5250 McIntosh Road, nothing happened. Oh, God forbid that that would be our plaque. Had a wonderful plan. Everybody was really geared to go, but somehow we didn't do it. So if you're committed, and over the course of these last two months, I have sensed your commitment. I've heard your commitment. Then hear the words of God. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 5, it is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. God is saying, look, if you speak up, pay up. In John chapter 13, Jesus said these words, hey, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You know, I'm thinking of the, the, this phrase, do hard things. You know the hardest thing about that phrase? It's not the hard things, it's the word Do. I know plenty of hard things, and I know that they're hard, but I don't necessarily do them, so that doesn't really who cares if they're hard or not, right? It's that two little that two-letter word do that makes all the difference in the word world in Romans chapter two and verse 13. For it is those who hear not sorry, for it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey those who do it who will be declared righteous. In other words, these patterns that God is giving us to say look if you're going to to say it you do it if you plan it make it happen Jesus said look if if you say you're going to build a tower build it because you'll look ridiculous if you don't So today, as we end this collection, I want to give you two pictures, because you know my point of view, that the scriptures are a picture book. They give to us clear images of how we um, should live, and and even corporately, personally, I believe that that there are mysteries in here that we won't understand, but there are plenty of clear pictures that God put on our level that we can get and we can understand. We're going to hover today in Joshua chapter 17. If you brought your uh, Bible with you, which I encourage you to do, by the way, it's always good to underline and write and and, uh, keep memos and and, uh, whatnot. I I look back through my Bible and I see my notes. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was was good. So I I invite you to bring one if you have one uh, at home. Um, Let me give you a little backdrop to what's happening here in Joshua 17. And it's going to be a picture for us of a plan, but what it required, what it takes to carry out a plan but also what gets in the way of a great plan. Because if we're going to move ahead in 2012 and accomplish this plan, then we have to look at each other and say, okay, be aware that these are the things that are going to come to us to hold us up. And if we're aware and if we think in a strategic way, understanding how the enemy works, understand how we work, our own weaknesses work, if we're ahead of that preemptively, we'll have a better chance of accomplishing the plan. As you know, Moses led 3 million people through the wilderness. Their goal, their objective, was to move into the promised land. Moses did not make that trip to its completion. He died before they crossed the Jordan River, which was the divide into the promised land as they trekked from Egypt to what we now know as Israel. When Moses died, his young protege, Joshua, was named the replacement by God. And then when you get into the book of Joshua, this is the experiences, the the recordings of what happened when Joshua took the reins. He crossed over the Jordan River, as miraculous as the Red Sea, by the way. He began to um, face these opponents, uh, warriors, kings, armies, chariots, weapons, artillery, with great courage. He conquered them. Because God told them in advance, I'm giving you the land. I began today by saying you can't do what God doesn't do in you. It's exactly what happened here. Joshua moved into this territory. He won every single battle that he and his armies faced because God. Not because he was a great strategist, a great warrior. He was all those things. But because God said in advance, I'm going to give it to you. And he did after joshua conquered all these lands through god working through him now it was time to divvy up the land and and the nation or the people of israel there were 12 tribes as you might remember one of them the levites who were the priests they didn't get any uh possession of land because they served god and they lived uh, as such and they were not going to get a any plots of land so you're with me so far now it comes time to divvy up the land. And so he's going, Joshua's going through and saying, okay, um, tribe of Judah, you get this territory. Here's your map. Here's your state. Go to it. Have a great life. Set up shop there. And he did that with all the, um, the tribes. You're going to see the tribe or the people of Joseph mentioned in this passage. In some counts, they were the biggest, largest clan or tribe in the whole deal. There were clans within the tribes. Here we go. It's getting complicated. Um, It's like living in New York. There's boroughs and whatnot, so we'll keep it simple. You'll see uh, the names um, Manasseh and Ephraim, all part of the people of Joseph. We're on the same level. Here we go. Beginning in verse 14 in Joshua 17. The people of Joseph said to Joshua... Why have you given us only one allotment and one portion for an inheritance? We are, and this is how they characterize themselves, a numerous people. We're bigger than the others. If you have siblings, if you're parents of siblings, you'll know that it's always, how come he got one more French fry than I got? This is it right here. This is the French fry move. We are a numerous people, and the Lord has blessed us Abundantly. In other words, they're saying, we're so big, how come we only got one chunk of land to Joshua? There's trouble in the camp. Joshua answers them, I think, smart-aleckly. Is that a word? In a smart-aleck way. He said, well, if you are so <clears throat> numerous, and if the hill country of Ephraim is too small for you, go up into the forest and clear land, here it is, for yourselves there in the land of the Perizzites and the Rephaites, who, by the way, were giants. The Rephaite means long-necked. They were bigger and huger. They were New York giant linebackers. This is who these guys were. So when you look at this, I'm like, there's the first clue of a plan. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to cross the Jordan. We're going to conquer armies and all that. God's going to give us the land. We're going to come back together. And then God is going to tell us where each person is going to live and whatnot. And now you have the biggest tribe and the whole thing going, Mm I don't like it. I don't, I don't I don't I don't think this is going to happen. In fact, I think our, our uh, property is a little too small and I know there's some trees up there and what they were getting at is Joshua, I'm going to ask you to clear the trees. You can read between the lines because Joshua is saying, "Look, if you guys are so numerous, you you want you yourselves put the plan into action, pick up an axe develop a little callus, and go clear some land. One of the greatest downfalls of a plan, and we know this in church, you probably know it in work, you know it wherever you live in the neighborhood. I'm like this in my neighborhood. Like with the association, I'm going to let somebody else do it, right? I don't go to association meetings. They're pretty mean, uh, but (laughs) you know how that can go. Uh, But, you know, whoever's keeping track of the gate and all the plants and how low the trees are and what the speed limit's going to be and how many kids can swim in our pool at at the deal and all, all those things, I'll let them do it. When it comes to the body of Christ, there is no, I'll let someone else do it. If the plan is going to work, there's no, none of us that can say, you know, I'm loving this thing. I, this, the growing relationship small. I can't wait to see how y'all do it. you alls a southern word, by the way. I, I, you know, I, I, just, I can't wait to see how that works for you. And God uses these two words. No, you yourselves get in the action and get in the plan. Our first downfall, I promise you, Will be that we, our expectation that someone else will get in that group. Someone else will grow relationships small. Secondly, here, watch what happens. The people in verse seven, or 16, in Joshua 17, the people of Joshua, Joseph replied back to this the hill country is not enough for us. And by the way, all the Canaanites who live in the plain, they have chariots that are fitted with iron, both those in Bethshan and its settlements and those in the valley of Jezreel. Now, wait a minute. Don't forget the context. God, not them, God just conquered. I, I forget. I think it's 18 kings. Don't hold me to that. But just king after king after king after territory after one thing after the next, they must have been blown away. By what God had done as they crossed into the Jordan. And now they're saying, "Mm, they've got some chariots and it makes us a little afraid. The second thing I believe that will hold us up is not only that let somebody else do it mentality, but fear. Fear. Like, oh, gee, I know it. I understand it. I get it. Believe it or not, I'm an introvert on the scale. I'm not an extrovert. It would seem that way when I get up and talk, but I'm more of an introvert. And so coming into an at group, a small circle of people, is not the easiest thing for me to do. It has been the best thing for me to do. For some of you saying, oh, gee, I need to move into a group. Ah, I'd rather jump off my roof than do that. I get it. I get it. If I weren't wired the way I'm wired, I I, would scratch my head and not understand. Over the past six months, I believe that we've said and I've said to you, here's why it's important. About eight to nine months ago, I stood in this same place and I made you a guarantee and I said, I'm going to make a commitment to you that about a year from now, our church will look different. I believe that we're ahead of schedule, to be honest with you. I think we already look different. So let me make another commitment to you. Some of you are saying, I get get the concept, I understand the why of small circle. I just don't know how. I just don't know exactly how that all rolls out. And and, uh, So let me make this commitment. By the end of the year, you will know how. We uh, started our first film shooting on iGod. Uh, That's our one-to-one track we filmed last week. Uh, We had a crew of Four, it's going to be the nuts and bolts of what we're doing and add an entirely different new dimension to, what, to what's going on here at 360. I am so excited. I'm coming out of my skin. I know it doesn't look like it, but I actually am. And here's why. I literally have waited 30 years to see something like this and have looked for it. And because I haven't found it, I'm like, okay, by golly, we're going to pick up a shovel We're going to develop some calluses. We're going to work hard. I've been working on it for four years. It's beginning to launch. By the end of the year, you'll understand what I mean. So if you're sitting there in the chair saying, I just don't know how to do it, I get that. I understand that. Stay tuned. We're going to walk through that together. And I'm promising you, if you experience anything like I've experienced in the last three or four months, your faith in Christ is about to be revolutionized you're going to see a, a whole new dimension of seeing God at work and transformation right in front of your eyes. It is remarkable. Am I wetting your appetite enough? It's easy to be afraid of it, but I'm going to say um, this vision that we have is scary. It means business. Then here's what happens in the story. Joshua replies back to them, And he says to the tribes in verse 17, But Joshua said to the tribes of Joseph and to Ephraim, to Manasseh, Don't forget, you are numerous and you are powerful. So you've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten that the power of God is living in you. Don't forget every battle that we won on all these hills and all these plains. Don't forget that. Don't forget that the God who spoke the universe into place, he has made you. He lives in you. And for that reason, you have power beyond your imagination. So Joshua, as as a great leader, reminds them, you are very numerous and very powerful. You will not only have one allotment, but the forested, Hill country. I mean, he's saying, look at the forest. I know that all you can see is trees, like, oh, trees, and then chariots. Oh, and there's trees. There's chariots. Oh my! And there's all these things. But he's saying, you are powerful, you are numerous. You can do it. He is charging them because the enemy will say to you, every day of your life, you cannot. You're trying to give up drugs? You cannot. You're trying to give up pornography? You cannot. Look at you. He'll call you a slime ball and make you feel that way. And Christ says, you can do all things, all things through Christ, which strengtheneth you. You can do it through Christ. So, Joshua says in verse 18, clear it, get to work, and its farthest limits will be used. Dream, watch this. I love this next word. Though, though it seems tough, though the forest seems tall, though the chariots seem cold as steel and harsh and mean, though the Canaanites have chariots filled with iron, and though they are strong, you can drive them out. Do not, underestimate who you are you are a son a child a daughter of christ the king do not forget it now get out of here i'm trying (laughs) (laughs) oh it's so easy in my worst moments to be overcome by the forests and the chariots Those who said, you're going to plant a church? Why? You got a good job. What are you going to do for medical insurance? Ooh, that's a chariot. You got two kids. Discipleship? You're going to do what? Well, the answer is, it's not going to be me. It's going to be Christ in me. Don't forget who you are. A few chapters before this, a second picture. Not a group of people coming up with reasons why they couldn't accomplish the plan. But a man that made plans happen. You may recognize his name. His name was Caleb many years ago in fact to be honest, to be exact 45 years before this happened Caleb was a 40 year old man he was commissioned by Moses to go into this promised land as a spy before they conquered it he sent 12 Moses sent 12 people Caleb was one of these people that that came so you see when you when you look at the difference between these two pictures and Caleb came back and said we can, with God with us we can do it. And and so when you look at these two pictures of somebody saying they can't and somebody saying they can, there's such a vast difference between the two. Because there are times where you can have a, a plan and you know exactly what, but you just keep falling down. And I saw this film this week. I'm going to show the, the stretcher one, the first film, if we can. Um, just see uh, if sometimes you feel like this. You know exactly what the plan is. And like the people of Joseph, this is the picture of them. Let's, let's take a look. This the is in a but, uh, Look, this guy is so <laughs> injured. <laughs> Racked in pain. Here comes the plan. Pick it up. Oh, that's got to hurt. Here we go. Oh, that's got to hurt. Yeah. yeah, there he goes. Here he comes again. Whoa. So here's the other guy. Oh, here he comes. Almost stepped on the shoulder. I hey, want you pick it up a different. You uh, want to see that again? Because the second time's better. Trust me. I've seen it ten times. Watch this. Racked in pain. I'm guessing his left shoulders in pain. Look at all that mud and dirt. Here's the pain. Oh, yeah, their plan, and here we go. Oh, that's got to hurt. Look at him, he's holding his head. Oh, let me see. That. yeah. Doesn't it get better the second time? Yeah, I'm saying. Somebody asked me what language that was. I'm not sure. It doesn't even matter. Back when Moses sent Caleb and he came back, it was a different picture. In Numbers chapter 13, and verse 30, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said... Let us go at once and occupy it, for we are, we are well able to overcome it. You see, everybody can have excuses, and we come up with so many, don't we? I do, of like why we can't do something. But here's a guy that's different. When we're talking about this, these, these words, just do it, of course, our mind, at least mine, travels to Nike, right, because they've, they've kind of cornered the market on those words. I want you to watch this video, and I hope that it will penetrate your thoughts, your minds, your motives, your, your choices. And if you're standing there thinking, yeah, I'm not sure that's me, just watch this, this Nike commercial. I'm too weak, I'm too slow, too big I ate too much for breakfast got a headache, it's raining My dog is sick, I can't right now I'm not inspired, it makes me smell bad I'm allergic to stuff, I'm fat, I'm thin It's too hot, I'm not right I've got shin splints, headache, I'm distracted I'm exerting myself too much I'd love to really, but I can't, I just can't My favorite show is on I got a case the Monday, the Tuesday, the Wednesday I don't want to do this, I'm going to do something else After New Year's, next week I Might make a mistake, I got homework, I feel bloated I got a hot date, my coach hates me Mom won't let me, I bruise easy. It's too dark. It's too cold. My blister hurts. This is dangerous. Ugh, sorry, I don't have a bike. I didn't get enough sleep. My tummy hurts. It's not in my jeans. I don't want to look all tired out. I need a better coach. I don't like getting tackled. I have a stomachache. i not the athletic type. I want to get sweaty. I have better things to do. I don't want to slow you down. I have to do this as soon as I get a promotion. I think I'll sit this one out. And my feet hurt. You get the picture? I was reading an article this week, by the way, uh, Yousef Narconesif, I'm not sure I'm saying his last name wrong, Christian pastor in Iran. He's up for execution because he stepped forward for Christ and said, no, I'm going to follow Jesus. Sometimes I don't think we understand what it really means when I say hard things. Forty-five years later, Joshua comes to Caleb and he's reminding him that Moses gave him a special piece of property. And he tells Joshua in Joshua chapter 14, verse 9, he says these words. So on that day, Joshua, I just want to remind you, Moses swore to me the land on which your feet have walked when he spied will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you follow the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now he's saying, Caleb is saying to Joshua, now he's 85 years old, now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites who are also giants were there and their cities were large and fortified but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Can I ask you two questions? What is your attitude and what is your altitude? If your attitude is, I don't know, we won't make it. If your attitude and my attitude is like, with, yes, we can do this. We can do this thing. It's going to be hard and we can do it. And the second thing is altitude. If we see that God can do it, if we see that God can work through us, it's a whole different picture. Whatever you're facing in your personal life, whatever we face as a church, it's all about attitude and, and altitude. Because here's the thing. God had already given them the land before they crossed over, right? Right? what we're going to do here at 360 is grow relationships small. We're going to be about discipleship, about growing deep on a person-to-person level. It's something that Christ has already said, go and do it. There should be not one question ever in our mind as if as if God wants us to be about that or not. In fact, I would say it so strongly that it's as if God has been waiting for his church to get involved and get in the game and get in the red zone that last 20 yards and say, we're going to do hard things. And I can see God saying to the all of heaven, how about a wave? Woo! Let's do it that. I'd do it better, but my shirt would come up. It would not be pretty. But if, Woo! God is for us. We have to see it. When a man like Nelson Tyler came into 20 acres of tall jungle. I'll tell you the thing that made him carve out those 20 acres and flatten them out. It was attitude. It can be done. I'm sure there were people who said it can't be done. What are you doing? You've already retired. You're giving up. What? What are you talking about? And then he, I'm sure that he looked at that land and said, I'm seeing something that's not here today. As the leader of this church, I'm telling you, I see vividly a church involved in discipleship, a church where people are already coming back to me and saying, this is changing my life like never before, and I've been in church all my life. Woo! That's what it's about. So at the end of this year, when we start to feel the stew bubbling and simmering and life changes happening, then with me, you will see what I am seeing at this intersection. Don't forget in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, as we close, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but as what is unseen. I believe in a church that can grow relationships small. I would not... Passionately delivered this so much if I didn't believe that. Faith, by the way, in Hebrews 11, is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Can you see a church this way? Can you see it? Some of you are starving for it. Some of you are like, I have no idea what that man is talking about. I mean, the spectrum is wide in a room like this with so many people. I get it. But if you're on the spectrum like, I don't even know what you're talking about, let me just say to you, stay in the saddle. Watch what God does. Watch what happens. And I believe you're going to see church in a unique and different way. For those of you that are hungry for it, I'll just say this. We're almost getting ready to step into a new dimension that I believe that you've waited for. People want to matter in this life, right? You want to matter? You want to be involved in things that are meaningful, right? And not just shallow. I know I do. My time is limited. I only got so many hours in a day. As I've said, I've only got so many miles left on our feet now, left on my runway. I want the rest of my life to be something that's beyond just playing church and let's sing songs and listen to good sermons. Let's get down and dirty with it. And, and I'm going to ask the band to come up, actually. I'm going to ask them to sing, um, sing a, a song. Let's take request. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I just was so taken by these words, let heaven roar and fire fall. Come shake the ground with the sound of revival. Those words are easy to sing, my friends. Listen, 360 family, those words are easy to sing. Focus on focus right here for just a second. I know the band is coming up. Those words are easy to sing. Let fire fall. Let revival come. It does not come without calluses. It doesn't. The red zone is not easy. And I've never been in a church that said, I agree to the red zone. I'm feeling from you that you've said, I agree to the red zone. I want it to be different. Would you stand with me through this song? Let's commit as we end this, this collection. Let's just say, God, I, I'm in. I'm not going to put it on somebody else. I'm not going to say somebody else do it. I'm in. Let, let your fire fall on me. And, um, and let revival start and shake the earth, God.